Hey friends, welcome back to the Love and Relationships Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Faleta, and I'm so glad you're tuning into these candid conversations about love, sex, dating, singleness, and marriage. For those of you who don't know me or are tuning in for the first time, I'm a licensed professional counselor and author specializing in relationship issues. I also run the relationship advice blog, truelovedates.com, reaching millions of people with the message that healthy people make healthy relationships. If you've tuned into the podcast before, you know it's a hotline style show, meaning people call in or write in with their relationship questions, and I answer them on this show in short, practical, bite-sized answers. If you have a question that you want me to answer on the show, send it via email or voice memo to Deborah at truelovedates.com or check out my podcast page, truelovedates.com slash love and relationships, and I'll do my best to get it answered on one of the episodes. So let's get started. Today's question comes from Greg from Michigan. Greg says, hey, Deborah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about if and how birth order impacts a relationship. To tackle this question today, I wanted to invite my friends Dave and Ashley Willis to join me on the Love and Relationships podcast. Dave and Ashley have become some of America's most trusted teachers on marriage. Their books, blogs, videos, and speaking events reach millions of couples worldwide. They're part of the team at XO Marriage and Marriage Today, which is the largest marriage-focused ministry in the USA. Dave and Ashley have four young sons and live near Dallas, Texas, and I'm so excited to have them tag-teaming this question with me today. Dave and Ashley, it's so good to have you guys on the Love and Relationships podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yes, thanks. It's it's exciting to be here. So today we're talking a little bit about birth order, right? You guys heard the question, and um, what I love about this question is it's if and how birth order impacts a relationship. And you guys know, being in the marriage space, and I know as a professional counselor that it is definitely something that impacts relationship in so many different ways and impacts marriages as well. So for those of you who aren't familiar with birth order and what that means, Dave, Ashley, let's just take a couple minutes to kind of familiarize our audience with these concepts of birth order, starting with the firstborn. What do you guys know about traits that tend to come with a firstborn child? Well, both of us are firstborn. Yes. And so <laughs> All right. Woo-woo. firstborns are the most awesome. Uh, <laughs> I would agree with that because I'm a firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, firstborn. firstborn. No, I mean, every, uh, I mean, every person, there's so many things that go up into making a person's personality mix and life experience and all that. But the birth order deal, like, like you said, it really can be a huge factor. And there are some tendencies that we, we tend to get, um, based on where we fall in that birth order thing. So the firstborns, a lot of times we're, we're uh, more, not always, but more driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the majority of, of presidents of the United States, for instance, have been firstborn children, even though most of them have come from large families. And so statistically, you would think that, that it would be, you know, mixed out over the several hundred years that we've had presidents. But there's just a certain drive a lot of times that, that a firstborn has. That can be in part because a lot of times parents will 
with it, even when they're trying to be fair, will will often end up putting more on the firstborn, more responsibility right. uh, at an earlier age. Um, sometimes harder discipline. Not always. Again, every family dynamic is unique, but I think that can be part of what you know what plays into that. And so, because of that, firstborn kids can be more driven, and they can also be um, uh, they, they can be more more kind of like by the book. For sure. Kind yeah. of people. Rule oriented, so, a little more yeah. structured. Absolutely. And and I will speak into the negative aspects of firstborns. We can also be more controlling, right? Oh, sh- <laughs> like we, we kind of think that we know the right way to do things. And again, I think part of that, when when you're growing up as a firstborn, your parents, are they're kind of experimenting on you. They don't totally know what they're doing yet. And, you know, it's like this trial and error thing. And then I think as a, as a firstborn child in the family, you tend to sort of become a surrogate parent to the other children in the mm-hmm. family. I mean, did you guys feel like you, you sort of had a responsibility to your siblings growing up or, you know, taking on that role as a surrogate parent growing up? Do you feel like you... Um, in any way connect to that? I do. You know, I, I just grew up with one sister, but I do remember my mom all the time saying, you know, Ashley, you are setting the example for your sister. And, and, you know, so there is a little bit more pressure in that respect. And I think homes that have kids, you know, multiple children, like in our house, we have four boys. And I would even say, you know, we do put a little more pressure sometimes on our oldest, you know, we've been having just for an example, we, you know, have a hard time putting our little, our, our youngest to bed. He's three, almost four years old. And there's times where we have to get things, you know, we, we've already done the whole bedroom routine with him. And so we'll have our oldest kind of sit in there with him just as part of his responsibility in the family. And I do think when it comes to older children, especially when there are multiple siblings, you know, families do tend to kind of fall into that dynamic. And that, like you said, Deborah, it, it can bring, you know, good things, but it can also kind of make firstborns a little bit, I don't know, having more pressure on us. And I, what I find, and I found in my own life, is there there can be often this this tendency to have perfectionism. Yes, and, absolutely. And that is such a struggle. And that's something I've dealt with, uh, you know, as a firstborn. And I have too. And Dave has too. And, and so I think when you bring that into marriage, that can really be, you know, even if you're both firstborn, you can really have a lot of frustration if something's not done, not done, you know, just so, so. And especially if you have, you know, one spouse being a firstborn and the other not, they will not understand that. And so it can be very frustrating for the the non-firstborn to feel like they can never be good enough or never do something, you know, the way that their spouse expects them to. And that can cause a lot of friction. Absolutely. Because you're coming from totally different ends of the spectrum. Then when it when you do have two people who are married that are firstborns, like you guys, and actually my husband and I are both firstborns. You're awesome. Yeah. So I love it in the fact that we can really relate to each other when it comes to drive and motivation. Like we're kind of on the same page with where we want our family to go and our goals and all that. But on the other hand, then sometimes you both think you're right. Like you both, the, yes. the, the controlling <laughs> aspect, it's like, well, wait, no, I know how to do this the right way. No, 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 my way is the right way. Like when it, even just little things in life, from little things to big things, like that's where you kind of have to fight that natural tendency to always be the leader, to always be the responsible one, to, to fight those perfectionistic tendencies so that they don't get 
in the way of your relationship. How have you guys seen um, being firstborns play out in good ways in your personal marriage? And then how have you seen it play out in ways that are, you know, cause a little more tension? Well, I think that since we're, we both kind of get each other, that aspect of our personalities, our life experience, kind of having to sort of set the, the example and we share a similar drive. We share, um, we share a lot of personality traits, really, and that's that's helped pull us in the same direction oftentimes. But then, I mean, there can be sometimes, not not often, but there can be sometimes where it's kind of like you know the two two same ends of a magnet can you know can <laughs> can, can, can you know repel each other at right. certain points. You can kind of like push against each other, even though you're very much alike. Um, and so we see that even in in our own kids, you know, when they share personality traits that's very much alike. They can get along most of the time, but then there are those moments that because they're so like, they can, they can butt heads. And so I think what's helped us and really something that helps any marriage is just being willing to not, not take yourself so seriously, but to take your marriage very seriously and take your shared mission very seriously and to be able to laugh. I mean, you have to be able to not laugh at each other, but to laugh with each other. In fact, you know, one of our most popular videos online is, a, is an intentionally really funny, irreverent video about the same topic we're talking about today, about birth orders in marriage and about how really we're all messed up. Yeah, you know, we're, we really we are, aren't we? <laughs> we are. We are all kinds of messed up. <laughs> it's so true. And I think you're absolutely right. No matter what it is, no matter where you are on the birth order train, we've got baggage and and we've got sins and struggles that we bring into marriage. But the funny thing is we don't always recognize those things until we are up against somebody else and the pressure cooker of marriage. And all of a sudden, those things that we thought were, you know, great qualities or highlights or I'm so driven, I'm so this, I'm so that, all of a sudden in marriage, it can become points of contention. And, you know, marriage brings all the junk to the surface, the stuff that we didn't even know existed. So I love these conversations because they kind of make us aware of our tendencies towards our strengths, but also our tendencies towards our weaknesses and our sins and struggles. And I know a lot of my listeners are singles, And I love having these conversations with singles because, guys, the more you know about yourself and the healthier you become as a single, the healthier you'll become in marriage as well. Healthy people make healthy relationships. That's the bottom line. So let's talk a little bit about the middle child. Uh, What do you guys know about the middle child in the birth order train? You know, the the middle children, it's always kind of a joke. And I, you know, when we talk about this kind of at our marriage conferences, we joke about it because oftentimes, especially if you're right smack in the middle of a family, you know, they can often be overlooked. There's the big running joke about poor middle children not having a baby book that's finished or not having as many (laughs) pictures in the house of them or parents forgetting them places. And let me tell you, we just did this. Like we lived this stereotype. (laughs) We've got four boys and our second son, who's 11, we were on like this long road trip and uh, we were at a gas station. There was a long line. Well, in the midst of my husband taking our youngest to the bathroom, none of us realized that Connor, our 11 year old, had also slipped out of our minivan <laughs> to go join that line. Oh, no. So when they saw the line was long, he said, you know what? We're not going to wait. Let's go to the next uh, place next door to go to the restroom. So we left. And <laughs> all Sudden, we're at this restaurant, and our oldest son, who's 13, said, "Where's Connor?" And we all look at each other, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, he's not here!" It's, <laughs> it's like out of Home Alone. <laughs> I, it really is. But we were literally only like a minute away from the place. But we drove back, 
and Dave walked in there and he was still waiting in line and had no idea that we weren't there. And it just, our hearts sank and we were like, no, I cannot believe we lived out this stereotype, you know, poor Connor. And we explained to him, you know, what happened. But it, I do think, you know, especially when you've got multiple children, it can, you know, the middle children often tend to be, they, in, at least in our family, this is true. And I, I know studies have been done on this. They tend to be more people pleasers because yeah. they're right smack in the middle and they just want everybody to get along. So sometimes they won't be as vocal about things as their, you know, oldest sibling or the youngest sibling because they just are trying to kind of keep the peace. And this can be good in the fact that they're generally peacemakers, but it can be, you know, kind of hard in the fact in a marriage because sometimes they're holding things in. Right. And I know, uh, you know, in different with different couples we've met with, this has been the case because sometimes, you know, they're feeling a certain way, but they think, well, I don't want to rock the boat. So I'm just going to kind of hold it in. And what happens is they end up blowing up in anger and, and there's all these issues they haven't disclosed to their spouse. And it can just really cause, you know, some, some kind of undue arguments, you know, arguments that really could have, could have been discussions instead of arguments beforehand if, if, the, if the person had just kind of come out with it. Yes, that's so true. And I always say there's a big difference between selflessness and, you know, trying to hold things back for the sake of the other. But there's also a big difference between that and passivity. And sometimes we get the two confused. Sometimes we think we're being selfless when really yes. we're actually being passive and, and we haven't learned to speak up. We haven't learned to identify our needs and communicate those needs. And sometimes these peacemakers feel like they're doing the right thing. And I'm not saying being a peacemaker is a bad thing. Like you said, it's a great quality. But at the same time, it can also lend itself toward passivity. And passivity in a relationship can be a dangerous thing. The other thing we know about second children, um, like you said, they tend to be social butterflies. They, they, they're good at interacting with people. They tend to rely on their friends a lot and, and be loyal to their friendships. And some people say it's because, you know, when you're a middle child and you're overlooked often, you tend to cling to your, your friends and you become loyal to your friends. So, so there's a lot of... The, the the interesting thing about all of these different birth orders is that there's a entire list of strengths that go with this, but then there's an entire list of weaknesses and struggles. And so that's why it's important to know where you are and how these things affect you as far as your personality, your birth order, and everything in between. What about babies, the babies of the family, the third borns, the last borns, the babies? What do we know about babies? They get away <laughs> with everything. You know, <laughs> the parents are just so tired by the time they come along that, and we feel so bad for how hard we were on the, the first kids that I know, you know, we're taking the other extreme. We're saying, you know what, you, you don't have a bedtime. You can <laughs> eat donuts for every meal. No, it's not quite that extreme, but I do feel like um, the baby, the family tends to grow up in in a different in a different environment. You know, I've, I've heard it said that really, even if you have the same biological parents and grew up in the same home, no two kids really have the same two parents because right. you know the parents are changing with life circumstances as each kid comes along, the family dynamics changing as each kid comes along, and so it just creates a completely different dynamic. And when that the baby comes and especially when you know it's your last one, I think that there's a lot of, um, I don't know, like a lot of nostalgia, There uh, is, you know, like you just, it's just a different dynamic. It's not that you love anyone more or less than any of any of the other ones, but I do think that sometimes that that baby can get away with more 
um, which in the long run probably hurts hurts them more than helps them. Right. Uh, but they also get they tend to get a lot of attention, which which is a, is a, a, on the positive side. That's true. I also think babies tend to be the most fun. Like <laughs> I, even my friends who were babies of their family, they just are fun to be around. And so that's a pro. I mean, they, they generally, you know, and I, and, and like, you know, I know we've said before, these are just generalizations and there are certainly people who can not follow this, you know, they can kind of break the mold on this, but there, and there have been like, again, there's been studies on this. A lot of times they tend to be you know, more free spirited and, and in a marriage, you know, that's awesome. You want someone who tends to kind of be free spirited and, 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 you know, laughs a lot and wants to have fun. And so that's good, but that can become an issue if, if they're not, you know, serious about the right things. Like Dave was saying earlier, I mean, we got to be serious, serious about our marriages being strong and, and, and being intentional about having time together and being intentional about paying bills and just the life, practical life things. And yeah, so absolutely. You know, it's, Again, like you were saying, Deborah, there's strengths and then there's weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. And it's true that the baby of the family tends to be categorized as that. And the other thing I know about babies of the family is sometimes they're known to be attention seeking because, you know, when you're the baby, you get, you do get all the attention and, and not the... Not that your parents love you more, but that you definitely get a different kind of attention when you're the baby. And I think oftentimes, if we're not careful, um, that attention-seeking personality can kind of seep into our adulthood as well, where it's like, yes. look at me, look at me, you know, um, and, and seep into our relationships where we're just not sure how to how to share attention and, and how to not always be in the spotlight. And so I'm um, just having to kind of unlearn those things. And it's so funny how you guys mentioned, you know, that you, you just keep falling into those stereotypes with your kids because it's so, it's so true. Like with my three, I know these traits and I know what to do and what not to do, but you just find yourself doing it because of the nature of a family, because of the nature of my firstborn is so responsible, you know, and then the baby of the family and then the, the, then trying not to overlook the middle child. It's like this (laughs) constant thing, but the beauty of it is Number one, God's grace, you know, in all of this and all of these things and in how we parent, but in also how we receive, how we've received parenting, how, how we've been parented, um, just the beauty of God's grace to kind of reparent us in the proper way. Um, when, when, when we're in relationship with Jesus, how he changes us and molds us and takes these things that we think are ingrained, but really God can take us to the, to the next level, the better level, the healthier level in our personality. And just psychologically speaking, there are some things that kind of throw off birth order. Um, like these, again, are very general traits that we're talking you through, just kind of stereotypes that people tend to fall in with different birth order. But some things that kind of mess up these things are personality. Oh, yeah. You know, you can have different, you can, you can be the most extroverted, fun-loving first child because it's just your personality, you know, it's in your genes. Um, so personality throws it off. Age gap throws it off. If you have a first child and then 10 years later you have a second child, that second child is probably going to act more like an only child or like a first child because of the age gap, right? They take on different roles and responsibilities. Um, and then gender throws it off, you know, whether you're a male or a female, Firstborn females are different than firstborn males and vice versa. And so there's a lot of things with our gender that can kind of 
throw a curveball in the birth order thing, but also um, I'll, I'll call this like specialty issues. Like if you've got some special talents or you've got some special needs, you know, maybe you're an NFL superstar type kid, you know, or maybe you, you're a child in a family and you have special needs and you're the firstborn. So all these things are going to kind of shift how birth order plays out in our family. But one of the things that I think is most important about this conversation is just that we all have insight and awareness into who we are and what has shaped us because our past doesn't define us, but it does impact us in a really important way. And we've got to be able to recognize the ways our past has impacted us in order to be able to say no to the, the, the negative things and say yes to the positive things that God is doing in our life. Another thing I just want to, you know, mention briefly, I know there's people listening right now and they might be listening and thinking, well, we're kind of struggling right now with maybe our opposite personality traits, um, the things in our relationship that are completely different. And let me just add, I took a quick survey on social media before we did this podcast today, just asking what the different birth orders were of people who were married. And I found something really interesting. The majority of people were either A, the same exact birth order, married to one another, so firstborn children, like like your case and my case, married another firstborn child, or the baby married another baby, or an only child married to another only child, or complete opposites, like a firstborn and a baby. Um, That was the majority of the answers. And it just kind of shows you that people who are really similar tend to clump together, but then people who are completely opposite tend to clump together as well and tend to attract each other, right? And we know that opposites attract, but then opposites attack, right? Yeah, it's so true. (laughs) So what advice would you guys give to someone listening right now who is like, you know, we've got such different personalities in our relationship. We are, we are so opposite in so many areas. How can those opposites be used to draw them together rather than push them apart in a marriage? You know, I think that's really such a great question. And it's one that I think so many couples deal with. And I would say, you know, just the fact that we're having this conversation about birth order is very helpful. I think if you can learn more about your spouse's background and kind of where they're coming from, what tendencies they will have and play to their strengths, you know, focus on the strengths of that. I think that will go a long way. Like, for example, you know, I think that if you know that that you have married a baby of the family and they do like to be affirmed a lot. They want that attention. I would go out of my way to really call them out and encourage them and say, you know, I noticed that about you. Good job today. You did X, Y, Z and really affirm them. And, you know, we need to all be affirming our spouse. But I think that, you know, when you're maybe the baby of the family, you might need a little bit more than the next person. Now, on the other hand, if you're married to a firstborn, you know, I would say they tend to want to lead. So give them opportunities to lead. It doesn't mean you're not you're not doing things together and deciding things together, but when you can call out that leadership in them, yeah. that's going to really go a long way in making them feel good and making them feel respected. And I think if we just approach it in that way and know kind of the strengths we can play to, and also not that we're walking on eggshells, because like like you said, we're all works in progress. We all need God's grace every day, and we need to all be, you know, improving. Uh, but I think that if we can know, you know, not to kind of push the buttons that they're naturally going to have. And not go out of our way to do that and try to to play to their strengths and try to have peace and, and keep on having an open conversation about these things and being honest. 
I think that'll go a long way in, in creating more peace in the home because it is hard when you don't think the same way. Like, you know, I mean, just the fact that we're men and women, we're already different. But then when you are coming from different uh, birth orders, that does kind of add more to trying to understand each other and trying to come to terms, you know, and being on the same page. And so I think when we try to assume the best of each other and play to each other's strengths, we're going to, we're going to have better conversations. I love that. I love that, Ashley. That's so true. And one thing I love about all of these tools, these personality tools, whether it's birth order, whether it's Enneagram, which we're probably going to do an episode on that in the near future, whether it's the Myers-Briggs that I absolutely love, these are all just starting points, you know, like the thing that bothers me the most is when people just categorize themselves in these narrow things and just say, well, this is who I am. I am just a firstborn child. So this is it for me. I'm always going to be like this, or this is who I am. I'm just an ENFJ and this is just my personality, or I'm just a number nine. And this is just who, like, this isn't just who you are. This is a starting point. This is a a starting point of awareness and knowledge, but God doesn't want you to stay there. You know, like just because you understand that this is how you're wired doesn't mean that God can't work within the framework of that wiring and bring you to the healthiest, best form of yourself. So even if you're in a marriage right now where you're struggling with that, I would, I would really encourage you to look inward and ask yourself, okay, we're completely opposite but how can I become the best version of myself in the personality that God has given me? Because when you do that, you will ultimately start making a shift in the dynamic of your marriage. When you start to change, when you start to heal, when you start to mature and grow in your communication and your emotional expression and your ability to interact and when you start growing in those areas, it automatically shifts the dynamic of your marriage and moves the entire relationship in the direction of healing. So I just, this, this, I love this conversation, guys. I think I could talk about birth order and personality, and I guess this is part of my career, but I could, I tell you, I could talk about this stuff for hours. <laughs> so I just, I just appreciate you guys so much and the time that you, um, invested in our audience today and just sharing your insight. And before I let you guys go, I just want to hear real quick about the new book you guys have coming out. Yeah, we're so excited. Yeah, we are. Thank you for asking. And thanks for having us. It's been a lot of a lot of fun. I love what you're doing and just helping people understand, you know, understand themselves and understand their spouse. And and for those who are single, just kind of I just think that there's so much there's so much benefit in this. And so thanks for inviting us into the conversation. For our book, to give it a, a, a quick plug, yeah, we're excited about this. The Naked Marriage is what it's called. You can find it on anywhere books are sold um, or at nakedmarriagebook.com. Um, and it's really, it's going back to the root of what God intended marriage to be. You know, back the very first married couple, Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, before there was sin, before there was brokenness and baggage and all the stuff that got in the way, even before there was clothing. You know, he created them (laughs) naked and unashamed. And that nakedness wasn't just a picture of their physical intimacy, but it was really a picture of the fact that there was nothing hidden between them, that there there was complete and total vulnerability and transparency. They knew each other fully and loved each other fully. Um, And God still desires that, even with all of our brokenness and baggage, he still desires for us to get to that place where we're unified with him first and foremost we're not hiding in shame, but we're, you know, we're coming to him and embracing his grace and then experiencing that kind of really incredible intimacy with one another as husband and wife. And so the book is, 
is just the journey of what it means to get back to that. And woven throughout that is this, is our own story, our own journey, um, and what we've kind of been learning along the way in our own marriage and then in the marriage ministry that we've been doing for the last decade and, and many stories from great people along the way who've impacted us. So I'm so excited to, to share share the book. There's a there's a 10-part short uh, video um, series that goes right along with it. So you can do it as small groups. You can just do it for personal use. With your spouse. Yeah, with your spouse. Um, we're really, really excited about it. It comes out February 12th. So if you're listening to this before that, um, February 12th is the release date. But then anytime after that, it's it's all yours. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm so thankful for what you're doing, um, your heart for marriage. And um, I'm excited to get my hands on this book as well. So I'm going to go ahead and link to Ashley and Dave and all of their information and their book in the show notes of this podcast episode. Dave, Ashley, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It was really our pleasure. Thanks again, Deb. Yeah, you guys take care. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you and gave you some practical steps to take when it comes to your love life. And friends, please keep sending me all your relationship questions. I want to hear what you've got going on. Go to truelovedates.com slash love and relationships or send me your questions in voice memo form to Deborah at truelovedates.com. If you're loving what you're hearing on this show, I invite you to check out my blog, truelovedates.com or either of my books, True Love Dates or Choosing Marriage and get serious about getting information that's going to help you get healthy and move you in the direction of healthy relationships. Help us get the word out about this podcast by leaving your five-star review on iTunes and then connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at True Love Dates and give me a shout out. I'm Deborah Faleta and it was so great being together again today and I can't wait to chat with you next week. Take care.